welcome all who join us today at St. Anne's, all who are visiting, our dear parishioners, and those who join us by way of electronic media as we continue to live stream this 11 o'clock mass here at St. Anne's in Washington, D.C. It's an absolutely beautiful day, isn't it? Classic fall day in Washington. The theme, of course, is forgiveness. We read that in the book of Sirach, we read that in Matthew's Gospel, and we know in our faith that this is one of those incredibly important points of doctrine and practice for Christians, to forgive those who have trespassed against us. In fact, we pray that beautiful prayer, the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgiveness, reconciliation, settling the account, as it were. And that's the image Jesus uses in the gospel. Settling the account with compassion and letting go and writing off the debt. Now we know this, and it's hard. Depending on what people have said or done to us, and sometimes we hold that grudge for a long time. But I want to flip things around a little bit and talk about another dimension of forgiveness. And that is the dimension of ruminating, worrying that someone might not forgive you, might not forgive me. We spend a lot of time, some of us, I think, wondering, anxiously perhaps, whether that person's going to forgive me for something I've said or something I've done. Maybe there was a misunderstanding. And I wonder, does she forgive me? Does he forgive me? Do they forgive me? And perhaps they don't know what I've said or done, and that makes it even more difficult, wondering, will they find out? Will they be mad? Will it end our friendship? We ruminate over whether people forgive us. Let me tell you a little story about that. Years ago, back in 1995, I was stationed at St. Matthew's Cathedral downtown. And there, on staff, Deacon Tom Jenis. He died recently. His funeral will be next week at Immaculate Conception Parish where I ended up as pastor, and he served there. But before I knew Deacon Tom, every morning I would look out the back window on the third floor of the rectory at St. Matthew's to a pretty dingy and dangerous alley. A lot of foul play going on, a lot of bad activity. But I saw every morning around 6.30, right on time, this car would come down the alley slowly, stop, a man would get out wearing a baseball cap and a large jacket, and he'd look around at all the windows in the buildings, and he would then take this satchel of stuff out of his jacket and shove it into the niche of a wall at the alley. Then he'd look back around, get back into his car, drive off, 
And then about five minutes later, somebody would come, take the satchel, and depart. Now this went on for weeks. And I got fed up with it. I don't like that kind of activity. It looks suspicious. And I immediately concluded it had to be drugs. And so I, dutiful citizen that I am, I called the police. And I arranged for a sting operation. I was so excited. I was going to get this guy. I was going to put an end to all this criminal activity. I was delighted. And so I had my binoculars and I was watching the whole thing. And that morning, sure enough, his car came down the alley. He got out. And as he was beginning to put that satchel into the wall, whoop, 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 all the police came out. Victory at last. They didn't arrest him. I could see that they were talking to him, but they didn't arrest him. He put the satchel into the wall, and he drove off. The police left, and some people came and took the satchel. I was very disappointed. So that day at lunch, I was sharing this story with the priests and the staff, and I said, I can't believe it. And when I told the story, Deacon Tom Jennis turned to me and he said, Father, I was the guy who put that stuff in the wall. I said, Tom, I can't believe it. You're selling drugs? What are you doing? He said, no, it wasn't drugs. It was food. It was food for the poor. Now, I could have and should have at that moment apologized. But I was so embarrassed, so humiliated that I had made that poor judgment that I just left the room. The deacon shortly after that was transferred to Immaculate Conception. I ended up there as pastor about seven years later and he was now on staff and I thought all those years in between would he ever forgive me for that rash and uncharitable judgment? I never asked forgiveness. In my pride, I could not ask. I could not apologize. I was too proud. It took that long. And it was one Sunday, it must have been the Holy Spirit, and I was preaching about this gospel. And it just struck me. And I said, I've got to make a confession to all of you. And the deacon was sitting over there in the sanctuary, I said, Deacon Tom, I am so sorry. And he got up and came over and said, why did it take you so long? I said, because I guess I was afraid you weren't going to forgive me. He said, oh, I forgave you years ago. I had made it so hard. I was wondering, I was anxious, whether or not he would ever forgive me. I waited too long. I carried that guilt for too long. Now, friends, I think that story can help us understand, perhaps, something of our relationship with the Lord. How many of us wonder, and sometimes even anxiously wonder, doubt, the Lord's forgiveness? We say to ourselves, okay, I believe that, I guess, at some level, that 
He's a forgiving, loving Savior. I, I, I was told that, and that's what we believe as Christians, but do I really feel that? Do I really, really deep down believe it? That he will forgive me for what I've done, what I've said to hurt somebody. And so we carry that guilt, that shame, for so long. Seven years, 70 years, we keep reliving that fear, that doubt, whether our divine Savior really forgives me. Well, he does. And that's the revelation in this gospel. The man comes back and says, I will pay you back in full. I'll try. I want to make good with you. And the master says, I'm writing off the debt. You're free. Can you believe that? Wouldn't that be wonderful if all the people in the world that we owe money to and all those things just said, debt is canceled. Wow. Now, imagine that experience with the Lord, that he cancels the debt if we come to him and beg him with humble hearts. And I think so many stay away from the church for a number of reasons, but one big reason I know as a pastor is so many of us are afraid and live in that fear that somehow God will not forgive me. And so we leave the church, we go elsewhere because we really deep down don't trust him. And in our pride, perhaps, we go elsewhere hoping that we can run away from God, that if if I could just forget that he exists or that he's present, then my fear will go away. It doesn't go away. It only gets compounded. And I know this as a priest, people who come back many, many decades later and say, I'm dying now. I want to somehow get it right. I want to settle the account with God before I go. You don't have to wait, friends. You don't have to wait. The beauty of the sacrament of penance, for example, confession, is that it is an immediate release of guilt and shame because it's been absolved. That's an incredible gift that Jesus gave his apostles, his first priests, until the end of time. To actually hear the words, I absolve you from your sins. Go in peace. This is why Jesus makes it so real with words in the sacraments. And hear the Mass. The most powerful moment in which once again, eternity comes to us. In that precious moment, this is my body. I gave it for you. I'm giving it for you. I will always give my body and my blood for you so that sins may be forgiven. And you say, amen. I believe. I accept this with gratitude, profound gratitude, that God forgives me of my sins through the act of the sacrifice of his love.
Do you believe that, friends? Do you deep down really believe that? That's why you're here. And if you don't believe it deep down, his grace will provide that if you trust it. There's nothing that you can do, there's nothing that you can say that the Lord hasn't already known and knows it perfectly. He's just waiting for you. He waits patiently for you. He suffers his love for you. He suffers his love for the world. Wouldn't it be beautiful if this message got out to all the world? And you can help people who live in shame and guilt. You can help them by your own experience to say, yeah, I I lived that way for a while and it didn't help. It hurt me. It didn't help. And so I can help you come back to him with all your heart. This is a beautiful gift of faith, of hope, and of love in the Lord who offers that gift of forgiveness once again through the sacrifice of his body and blood.